0: what's up people of the internet how are we all hope you're good and the other generic nice things I say at the start of this this is episode number I can't remember what number it is, nine, nine Um, not no if you're German though. it's nine today we're going to talk about five tips I would give to uh, GM who has just started playing D&D or any other tabletop game they're pretty transferable ideas so yeah that's that, also thing I've done this week Has anyone ever heard of Brothers of Metal, the Viking metal band? Holy shit. Why have I never heard of this until today? Idris probably one of my top five favourite songs of all time. I think I've listened to that shit every single day on repeat. But we're not going to fuck about today because we're talking about D&D and I love it. Let's crack on. And you're back in the room. Hello, episode 9, GM Tips. Happy to have you all here. hope you're comfortable and you've got a nice beverage or perhaps you're just out for a walk and get bored of listening to the wind. I do. So, we're going to start this off by um, yeah, five GM Tips I'd give to anyone who is new to running games because it's, it's quite a big thing for some people because you're kind of taking responsibility for other people's fun. It's not like you whack on a video game together and okay, well it's going to be fun either way. Like Back for Blood, I've been binging it with my my brother. You know, with friends. That's going to be fun either way. But a bad GM in a tabletop game kind of ruins everyone's fun. Like you know, if you go on like the channel Crit Crab for instance, he's just full of horror stories of bad D and D, and just kind of. Toxic people in a lot of these stories And you know, some people's toxicity does come into play So You know It is a responsibility As much as you're there to have fun as well You know, with your friends With people that you want to play the game with As the GM you do have a certain level of responsibility To make sure it's fun And that, you know, your ego And that gets left at the door You can think like I'm like fucking William Wordsworth Or Tolkien I'm going to tell the greatest story ever But if you're a prick No one wants to hear it. So, these aren't in any kind of numerical order. It's just going to be one to five in a random order. So, number one. And it's probably quite an important one. Know the rules to the fucking game. Now, you might think, ah, but man in the shed, you have always said, ah, improvise everything and, you know, fun comes first. Well, yes, that is true. Improvise fucking everything, because I do. But... You really have to know the rules of the game, guys. You can't wing everything off the top of your head. I'm not saying go out and memorise all of the handbooks and all of the supplement books for whatever system you're running. You don't need to know every monster's stats off the top of your head. Because, you know, you don't need them all. A level 1 group, doesn't. you don't need to know the stats for an ancient red dragon. Because what are the chances they'll encounter it? And if they do... I mean, I've had a level 1 party meet at Draco Lich under the express purpose of they're going to run away from it. I didn't know any of the stats. I just knew it would one-bang them if, it really, if they tried to fight it. So, it's, it's not that important. But what is important is knowing how skills work, what dice to use, how the players' classes all work. Because although they realistically should know their classes, and by the way, my group, who I know listen to this, Learn Your Goddamn Classes, as a GM, you should also know their classes because especially new players are going to look to you for advice on, say, Pathfinder. They're going to look to you for advice on spells and feats if they're playing casters, so have a rough idea of how the classes work and it also helps, you know, some people cheat in these games. It will curb that because you know, essentially as well as they do, what the class can and can't do. It's also for mechanical purposes, so in terms of How much damage does this trap do? What does this disease do? How does the game actually run? That's probably the biggest one, how do you actually run the game? Well, you find all those answers in any of the Game Master manuals and all of the player's handbooks for pretty much every system out there. Now, there's a few obscure ones that I've never played where it's like, oh, just make it up as you go along, mate. And I'm like, eh, that's, that's not my bag. I like to have a structure so it's actually a game not just me going oh yeah he shoots a fireball out of his rectum which is interesting an idea as that might be you know we don't all want fireballs shooting out of our rectums every day so the main section of any of the handbooks I normally tell people to sort of get acquainted with when they ask me oh how do you DM I say learn combat because you can literally make up NPC encounters and just roll skill checks that at the time seem relevant. You can make up how to disarm a trap, just based on your own logic, but combat is probably the most rule-heavy part of the game, and again, especially with Pathfinder, which has a very detailed combat system with grapples and sunders and a lot of things like that, it's important, especially if you've got players who are fighters, that they know the full arsenal at their disposal, because obviously fighters aren't wizards, they don't get 10d10 damage on anything they hit you with a sword so it's important that you know all of the combat rules I've given players a nudge in the right direction before I've sort of gone hey uh, you've just sort of moved next to your ally you can't attack anything why don't you settle into a defensive stance so they've done that and weirdly enough when they got attacked five times next round it all missed miraculously as as if I was proving a point so that's the main thing I'd say get acquainted with learn the combat system because everything else can will come to you. I'm not saying you have to go out today if you're running a session tomorrow and memorize everything, but just learn combat and learn the rest as you need to. If you know, and we'll get to planning later, if you know, right, so this week they've got to address a king and they've got a diplomacy him, go and read about that when you need to. Like, Just focus on what you need next and eventually you will hit a level of proficiency where you kind of know, at least vaguely, how to do everything. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm fucking Matt Mercer and I know everything. Because even Matt Mercer, who, you know, is a dearly beloved DM from Critical Role and, you know, beloved voice actor, even he has to get the book out quite a few times during his streams. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's why you have them there with post-it notes and bookmarks so you can quickly access information. And that's nothing. Don't be scared to do that. You know, you don't, They're long books, guys. There's a lot of detail in them. There's a lot of optional rules, a lot of house rules. Um, it's okay to have to refer to the book every now and then, not to the point where it's every two minutes and you're just breaking the flow of the game. But it's okay to like want a few times a session and go. Actually, I don't know how that works. Give me a second. do do. Right. Yep. So it's their CM. CMD versus your CMB so you roll a d20 and add that yep 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 you have grappled him there's nothing wrong with that and I've done it before recently so be prepared to know the rules and that goes for players as well that's a multi personal uh, tip tip was the word we use everyone should learn the basic rules the GM should learn the rules (laughs) number two Always say yes. I don't mean always, but it's just... I thought it sounded better like that. The rule of call exists for a reason, guys. It's a fun cinematic fantasy game where you're using your imagination to go to wonderful places. If someone says, I have a really cool idea, I want to do it, God damn it! as a GM, it's your job to make that possible. Now, I'm not saying if someone wants to climb on the back of a dragon and enter it from the inside and explode it from the inside... Definitely not a reference to any popular DD show, that. I'm not saying, you know, that's a thing in combat. But, generally, if someone has a cool idea, I at least try to think of a way to roll with it. You know, I've had a dude, for no reason, go, I want to pole vault over a bear, so I can be on the other side of it. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, you could just run around it, but it'd be more fun this way. So I said, okay, roll in acrobatics. He rolled in that one. Uh, pole vaulted the bear and then just face planted into the ground and cratered and I didn't punish him for it, I just said it was a funny thing but the rule of cool is there for a reason because it produces entertaining ideas so how to separate the two properly the idea of saying yes and no say no to things that are absolutely and literally impossible in any time, place or dimension so no, you can't headbutt your way through this titanium wall with strength alone, your brain would collapse. However, you could come up with an interesting way. Maybe you've got a magic person who could be like, oh, can I melt the wall? Ah, maybe I'll allow that one. Maybe you want to do a cool acrobatic trick. Now, again, no, you're not going to fly literally, but maybe you want to do like a quadruple flip or something. Yeah, roll acrobatics, man. Let's see it happen. And it just plays into, again, player enjoyment. Because as a game of imagination, I like to encourage people to think outside the box on different things and just generally encourage them to use their big boy brains or just their creative brains. It's a creative game. As a GM, you're not the only one telling a story, but we'll get to that one later. You're not the only creative person there. Now, I've spent more time playing the game than running it. And it's something that frustrates me, is always being told, no, that's a bad idea. like. I get it with certain puzzles, because there's, there's puzzles in the game, obviously, and riddles and such. I actively, as a GM, encourage creative answers. So I set up a whole... I had a party recently, they skipped an entire dungeon, because one of them had the good sense to go, hey, won't we see if there's a back entrance? And they found it, and they essentially skipped the entire first half of the dungeon... Just by being a little bit creative and thinking, well, why why are we going in through the front door? That's when they expect intruders. Let's go through the back door, and they did in fact go through the unguarded back door. Now, I could have easily gone, no, nah, there's no back door. I did a little roll for it, obviously. I could have easily gone, there's no back door. You're wasting your time. But I liked the idea that they had that thought. Oh, we'll do something clever, and you know, our enemy might have some sort of emergency escape route we can exploit, and that's what they did. And I rewarded that. Now, it, it's a great irritant, and I'm sure anyone who plays D&D out there has experienced this as a player, where you think you've got a really cool idea and it just gets shot down with a blunt. No, you're not doing it. You know, Another one I had when I was playing was one of our players who was a bard, he came up with a really creative way for a puzzle using Mage Hand, very traditionally not very useful spell. I know everyone says, oh, it's got great utility, but a, it doesn't always come up in some of the games I've played in, unfortunately. And the GM actually messaged me, because I was kind of leading the party, and said, I'm going to give you one chance to stop this because he's using a cheesy idea to solve a very potent problem. And I didn't want to stop him because I was like, well, no, he's being quite clever and creative. You know, I admire cleverness and creativity and I reward that in my games. But it it was mindly irritating being told you need to stop him doing what he's doing because it's a bad idea when I actually perceived it as an absolutely fantastic idea. Yeah, you've got low level abilities. You can still use them apparently. But the idea was shot down and we just did the puzzle the traditional way which was, you know, whatever. It wasn't a bad puzzle. It was just after that, I was a bit like, meh. I don't know if anyone else has ever felt like that where your idea's been shot down or someone else's idea's been shot down and you're like, okay, so there's one solution to every problem then. We can only do what you want us to do. And I didn't confront him about it because we're friends. It just would have been uncomfortable for everyone involved. We've had a few arguments over the years of playing d and together. But it's just that kind of shit really bothers me. It's kind of like, well, yeah, he's just got out of his way to say, no, my solution is the only right one. And you know, he's the GM. As I'm sure anyone listening to this is probably a GM or has GM'd. And it is a case of what they say is what happens. But I just don't like that. Numero C. Planning can make up for a lot of improvisation. But no amount of improvisation can make up for a damn good plan. So what I mean by this. As I've said before. I do a lot of improvisation. It's it's the one part of d I'm kind of good at when I'm running a game it's like I'm quite good at the whole thinking on my feet and kind of basing what I'm saying and doing, bouncing off of the players at my table or over our Discord but I view my lack of ability to plan as my Achilles heel because I, I don't care who you are like you might be the greatest DM in the world for all I know or GM you can't improvise everything but you can make very, very good plans that you can bounce off of. So what I mean by that is... I could probably improvise most diplomatic encounters and quite a few dungeon and combat encounters. But they are a damn lot better when I plan them. So I've improvised short dungeons. Because it gets quite hard to just pull them out of the hat multiple times and not repeat yourself eventually with trap rooms and stuff it's just better with anything that's kind of linear and when i say linear i don't mean railroad i mean linear is in well you're in a dungeon there's a way forward the way forward should be planned how they execute it should not so i i when i'm doing dungeons tend to aim for a mixture of i've planned out the dungeon how they do it is up to them and i'll bounce off it I'm not saying improvising and planning are better or worse than the other. I mean, I prefer to improvise because I'm scatty and chaotic in real life, so I don't plan that well. But I like to have a base idea. So the way I normally structure my sessions would be, for instance, recap of previous session because you know weeks pass, people forget things. Not everyone takes great notes. I don't. Um, then there'll be say. A bit of party banter or they've woken up in the dungeon or whatever and then there is the what i call the trigger point that triggers the session or triggers the adventure so say it's your session one you've had your session zero you've all met you've done the whole tavern we've met in a tavern and had drinks together and bonded we're adventurers so session one for me that would begin with the trigger point as i call it which is the event that will kick off the story that you, the GM, are about to create. Um, the narrative you're crafting. Now, that, no matter what they do, is unavoidable. It, it will happen regardless of anything they say or do. It might happen differently. I know some of you out there right now are clenching your jaws thinking about this. I'm like, no, it's not a railroad. Because at any point they're free to leave or not take part in this. This is just the trigger that causes the narrative to begin. I'm not railroading so much as saying, here's the quest by the way. If you want to do it, this is what you do. Or you can go over here and do whatever you want, but this is where the story is. And if they don't go for it, that's fine. I mean I think one of the first games I run, I I planned like two weeks worth of sessions where They were going to be in the sewers of this city, dealing with a menace below it, and it was going to be cool. And then they decided, (laughs) the party decided. One of them messaged me, and he was like, "Oh, we're probably not going to stick around this city. We're going to go elsewhere and go to the Dwarf Kingdom." And I was just like, "Right, scrapped my plans and carried on with my life." But these things happen. That's what I mean when I say don't railroad, railroad, railroad people, but be prepared to plan for an event to happen. Then the trigger point happens, kind of free form play, where they do what they want. And if they then choose to, they can progress whatever quest or story they are part of. Now, the next tip is one that I don't personally do. Because I had a good six years of playing the game before I had to run a session. And even then, I had sort of read all the books back to back and kind of had an idea of what I was going to do. And already had a campaign planned, because I had a lot of advance notice. And it is... Just if you struggle with ideas of how to get it started, just use a damn module. There's no shame in it. There's nothing wrong with it. They're there for this exact reason. And there's some pretty, pretty good ones out there. I hear good things about Fame of the Night Serpent. I hear the I think what is it? Something about the Frost Maiden, well, the Frost Maiden, something like that. I hear that's pretty good as well. Like I don't use modules, but. I don't judge people that do, there's some like I've just like I've just said, I'm just gonna repeat myself, there's some very very good modules out in the world. And they will give you the the building blocks and the creative tools to then later go, actually I've got some ideas I wanna do. Now it admittedly, it can be a bit of a ball like to on the module because some of them are very they hinge on certain things taking place in exactly the right way and there's failure conditions that you wouldn't normally have. But my advice, if you're going to use a module, read read the thing back-to-back back a few times. Know it, have it with you, but don't stare at your module. Don't be reading it to your players. Look at the players, make eye contact with people. Look at them directly like you would when you're talking to someone. Be in character, because nothing's going to break the flow of your game quicker than you going, right, and then page 47... Uh, the barkeeper looks at you and he says, "Oh, adventurer, what are you doing here? Nothing is going to ruin the immersion more than that." And this is going to be a short tip, but that was, you know, it is an important one. Like, I'm going to add a caveat as well. Don't be afraid to ask for help from the community. There's a lot of pages on social media for d d There's a lot of forums for d d Not just d d but to any tabletop game ever. They all have social medias and forums. So, don't be afraid to jump into that community and ask for advice. I mean, I spend a lot of time in the Dungeon Dragons Facebook page. That's why I advertise the podcast, weirdly enough. And, you know, if I think there's something I can give an answer to, I do. And there's hundreds of people in that one alone who will give you answers to questions. So, don't be worried about coming across as like, Oh, I don't know this, I'm an idiot. It's not like that at all. It's normally quite a friendly bunch in a lot of these places. So... Ask for help if you need it. Ask for feedback on your ideas. Because, you know, you know way you get better is with more experience. And you can skip a lot of aggravation of more experienced people. Give you some ideas. Now, the last tip. Now, I know I said these weren't in numerical order. But this is the last one because I think it's the most important. It's the golden rule. Make sure you're all having fun. It's the most important thing. Now, as I said at the start, kind of the player's fun hinges on you. And if the players aren't having fun, chances are, unless you're a complete fucking dick, chances are you won't be having fun either. So, before anything else, before a great story, before compelling NPCs, player enjoyment comes first. If you're running a game, they don't want to play, they're not going to play it. I mean... There's no simpler way of putting it, and it is the most important thing. It's a game. Why would you play a game that's not fun? If you're not having fun as a GM, and if you have done a few campaigns, maybe if you're not enjoying running games, you should just say to the people you're with, like, guys, someone else run a game. Because even me, I get a bit creatively stumped sometimes. I get a bit, oh, I kind of just want to play a character now. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. There's this whole thing of like, oh I guess I'm just the forever GM or stop being a pussy and tell your friends, guys, can I play a character for once please? Like it's a give and take between you and the people playing the game. You give them the building blocks to craft their story and they give you their enjoyment and your own enjoyment. If they're not if they're causing you to not enjoy it something is wrong with that dynamic which is why I say it's not just about your fun it's about the players but it's also even though I just said it was it's not just about their fun it's about yours so everyone's combined enjoyment is the most important thing if people don't enjoy it you just wouldn't play it so the whole tabletop genre would cease to exist so that's going to be the parting note and the parting tip and I know that was a short one but I think it's I don't need to say a lot about it. Just have fun, guys. Uh, and it goes for anything in life you choose to do. Obviously, things like work aren't always going to be fun. If you're someone who gets up in the morning looking forward to work, you know, more power to you. You've you've cracked the code that I've spent my life trying to crack. But your hobbies, like tabletop gaming, and just your hobbies in life—if you don't have fun doing it, why are you? And it's just a good bit of advice, not just for this, but for life in general. Don't do things optionally that make you unhappy. Because I think we're all a bit guilty of that at times. And I'm going to be a little bit weirdly philosophical about it. So, you know, you've got people who are introverted who don't really like going out and stuff. And get dragged out by their friends. Look, there's nothing wrong with just saying, no, I don't like going out. That's a bit of a weird one because I'm talking about tabletop games, but it's relevant. Because you should just enjoy the things you do and be happy with how you do them. And be happy with who you are. And any of you out there... We're done with a tip now, by the way. Any of you out there who sometimes sit there and think you're a bit unhappy, you know, things aren't going your way, just find something that you love to do and do it. It could be anything, it could be art, it could be cooking. I paint sometimes. I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy it. Find something that gives you a sense of happiness and meaning and purpose and just fucking do it. And on that note, we're going to sign off, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to this. Um, If you want to get in touch, it's at letstalkfantasy93 at gmail.com. I should have the Facebook set up by the end of this week, so that would be nice. Uh, If you want to email in, let me know what you want me to talk about. If you want to email in and tell me some stories of tabletop games and such, you're welcome to. I might throw them into the podcast. And have a good one, guys. Have fun. Enjoy whatever you're doing in life. And take care of yourselves. Ta-ta.